case you haven't forgot, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. For you guys, I hope you remember to buy a gift for your Valentine. Uh, just a little gentle reminder there because, you know, this is the, that, that season. It's a good day to talk about love today. Although love can be sort of a, well, sometimes we just don't understand that. I heard about a, a Harley rider, a, a biker, who was walking on the beach. He had been having some problems with his uh, wife, and he was out trying to get his head clear a little bit, and he found a genie bottle laying on the beach. And he picked it up and took the cap off, and a genie appeared out of the genie bottle. And the genie said, I'll grant you one wish, anything you want. He said, you know what? I want you to build a bridge from California all the way to Hawaii. I've always wanted to ride my motorcycle, John, to Hawaii. And the genie said, no, that's too hard. All the concrete and the steel it would take, hey, that would just take too much time to be too hard. Just come up with another wish. And the biker scratched his head and he said okay I got a good one help me to understand women and the genie said do you want a two lane bridge or a four lane bridge <laughs> now you know it, it's, it's not just the women guys it's the men they can't understand us either love is sometimes something that is just really hard to understand it, it, it could get really difficult to understand uh, this thing that goes with the heart. And maybe that's the issue because the heart gets involved. You know, in Jeremiah 17, 9, the Bible says um, the, the heart is deceitful above all else. There's no cure, it says. And so our heart can sometimes play tricks on us. But we need to learn how to love because God has called us to be a loving people. You know, the Beatles sang back in the 60s, all you need is love. But really, we need more than love. We need to know God. That's where love starts. God is love, the Bible says. And until we know God, we won't know the proper way to love. Today, we continue our series through our engage plan. Of course, you got received a brochure a few weeks ago. There are some available at the Welcome Center. And we're on the inside of this looking at these different panels. We finished this first panel, Engage Jesus. Today we're thinking about the idea of Engage Bristol. Of course, in a couple of weeks we'll talk about Engage the Next Generation. But I want you to think today about this idea of Engaging Bristol, our community. That's, that's our target for that, is reaching out into our community. And that reaching out requires us to love. It requires us to love our, our community. And if you think about it for a minute, if love for people is hard, then what about our, first of all, love for God? That can be a confusing thing as well. And so I raise the question today, how should we understand the love for God? Well, I think before we can do that, we have to understand the word love. And if you go to the original Greek of the New Testament, there were four words for love in that Greek language. 
The first word that you might need to know is storge. It's a, it's a family kind of love. It's the kind of love a mother has for a child. Uh, the second kind is eros. It's the kind of love, that romantic kind of love, the kind of love husbands have for their wives. And then the third kind is phileo. That is the word uh, Philadelphia uses that in its name, the city of brotherly love. It's a, it's a brotherly love, a com camaraderie. But then there's this word, this, this word agape. And that's the word most often used in the New Testament for love. It's a love not because of feelings, but because of a decision. It's a love of the will. It's a love that respects and cares for and has concern for and wants the best for other people and sometimes puts others ahead of self. It is a, a selfless love. It is, it is an unconditional love. It's the kind of love that God wants us to have and the kind of love that God has for us. Understanding this kind of love is important. This kind of love is also truthful. Often, we're not truthful with people because we say we don't want to hurt their feelings, but this kind of love would even talk to somebody about some hard things in life. Our Bible says, speak the truth in love. Even though sometimes it's hard to do, especially in the culture we live. But God calls us to have this kind of love. If you turn with me to John chapter 15, we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about this love. This agape kind of love. Here, of course, John in John 15 teaches his famous teaching on the vine and the branches. And he says in the passage there, beginning in verse 1, he says, I'm the vine, the Father, God, is the gardener. And then he said there are some branches that are attached to the, the vine. There are branches that bear no fruit. He says they'll be cut off, they'll be cut away. There's those branches that do bear some fruit. The Father will prune them. There are some that are more fruitful, he says at the end of verse 2. And then he says down in verse 5, there are those that will bear much fruit. He's talking about us. He's talking about his followers, his believers. They are the branches. Several times here, in fact, five times in this passage, he says that the good branches will remain in him. That is, they'll remain connected to him. They'll... they'll They'll hold on to Jesus. They'll be part of the vine. But then he drops down in verse 9, and he sort of shifts a little bit and talks about what this remaining in him has to do with. Read with me verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I love I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life 
for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Love, he says. This important part of being a follower of Christ. Let's, let's go back and break this passage down a little bit. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. Engaging in a relationship with Jesus leads to this love. This is that agape love that we talked about. The word most often used in the New Testament for love. When the Bible says God is love, in the Greek it uses that word agape. In Matthew 22, when Jesus gave the great commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He used that word agape. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Again, it's that word agape. It's a love of the will, not a love of feeling. It's loving someone because you made the decision that you're going to do it. Not necessarily because you have this mushy feeling or you feel like loving. You're loving because Jesus said to love. And engaging in this love strengthens our relationship with Jesus. It's what it takes to be a devoted disciple. To have that kind of love. We talked in Target 1 in in our brochure, we talked about discipleship, and that begins with a love for Jesus and following Him. Now we're going to look at Target 2 and our community and reaching out to our community, and it's going to take even more love to do that as we engage Bristol and we reach out to this community. And there's something about this love that I want you to see because out of this love, some things grow. A disciple who's all in for Jesus loves this kind of way. He, he desires to grow personally in spiritual maturity. He desires to, for the kingdom to grow. He desires to be, um, for, for the community to be changed and for people to be touched by the love of Christ. He desires for churches to flourish in the community so the community will flourish. So out of this love grows some things. First, if you look there in verse 11, Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, out of this love for Christ grows a spiritual joy. You know, true joy is experienced in the relationship with Jesus. Our spirit gets infused with His love and His mercy and his grace and His forgiveness. It begins to work through the inside of us, inside out, so that we become more what He wants us to be. This spiritual joy, this is different from worldly joy. 
You know, worldly joy is based on happiness, which is, for most people, based on stuff, favorable circumstances, things going our way, people doing things the way we want them to do things. But this joy, this spiritual joy, it is a fullness that we have, no matter what our circumstance, in good times and in bad times. It is a certain satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus. It is a contentment that comes because of our relationship with Jesus. In the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church. There was some conflict in that church. and He said, look, guys, get beyond the conflict. Have joy. In fact, 16 times in that little short letter, he uses the word joy or rejoice. And then he says in, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, he said, listen, guys, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He's saying because of the relationship, you can be joy. You can have contentment in your life with this loving relationship with Christ. Move on to verse 13. It says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That brings up this idea of sacrifice for others. You know, the word, the word love in this passage, this word agape, is used nine times in these few verses that I just read. Four of those that's used as a noun, five of those times that's used as a verb. When, you, when it's used as a noun, verse 9, toward the end of verse 9, remain in my love. It's a noun. It's something you can possess. Jesus says, I have this love. I want you to remain in that love. If you move on to verse uh, 12, love each other, he says. It's an action word. It's a verb there. It's something that you do. You love someone else. That requires your time. It requires action on your part. It requires a sacrifice. We probably won't have to sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed. He paid the ultimate price to show his love to us. We probably won't have to die for our faith, but we will have to die to ourselves to practice this kind of love. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus speaking to his disciples said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Self-denial is part of what it takes to really have the loving relationship with Jesus. We get self out of the way in our desires and we start to follow him and make his desires our desires. And that leads to a sacrificial love that we sacrifice. We are willing to give our all for others. And as we grow in Christ and we come to know Him and we become like Him, we become more willing to sacrifice that others might come to know Jesus. So there's a spiritual joy, there's a sacrifice for others. And then verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. 
For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So there's this servanthood that leads to friendship. You know, in, the, in this passage, it, it uses the word uh, uh, servant. That word in the original Greek can be translated slave also. It's the word doulos. It's not the kind of slavery we think about back in the 1800s where people were taken against their will and they were sold against their will into slavery. This, this doulos kind of slavery or servanthood is a little different. Uh, often people sold themselves into slavery to pay a debt or they, uh, they saw a master was taking care of his other servants and they would, they would go to this master and say, I want to be your servant, I want to be your slave. In exchange, he would provide for them a job and he would provide for them food and a place to stay. Uh, if you were Jewish, you could not hold a, a Jewish person for more than six years in slavery. You had to set them free. They had every seventh year was the year of Jubilee when you had to set your Jewish slaves free. It was an honor to be called a slave or a servant of God. Moses in Deuteronomy 34, 5, the scripture says he was a slave or a servant of God. In Joshua uh, 24, 29, Joshua was a slave for God. David in Psalm 89, 20 was a slave for God. Jesus is saying, because you dedicate yourself to me and you learn to love me and you, you give in servanthood, you become my friend. That whole idea of friendship with Jesus or God is rooted in Abraham, who was the father of the, of the Jewish nation. In the Bible, in Isaiah 41.8, it says, God called Abraham his friend. That shows the closeness that we can really have to God if we seek out this relationship with Jesus, this loving relationship. There's a wonderful story I heard. It's a guy named Gustav door and he worked with Steven Spielberg the great uh, movie producer and director the DreamWorks team that made all these wonderful movies and, and door was a he was an artist and he had a student who drew a painting of Jesus and he brought the student brought the painting to door and said I would like for you to critique my painting and Dorr looked at it for a little while and, and thought about the painting. And then he looked at the student and he said, if you loved him more, you would have painted him better. If you loved him more, you would have painted him better. When we grow in this relationship with Christ, when we grow in this spiritual joy and then in this sacrifice for others and this, this servanthood that leads to friendship with Christ. You know what happens? We go out into the world and we paint Jesus better. We just show people who He is better because of the love that we have that overflows from our relationship with Christ. Well, verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you may ask in my name, the Father will give you. That bearing fruit is the mission that Jesus has sent us on. And by this love, the mission to make disciples is achieved. Remember, we talked about the fact that Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus, Jesus chooses all who believe, all those who remain in his love, to be on this mission to go and bear fruit. The fruit of spiritual maturity, first of all, that we grow and we engage Christ. But then to help the kingdom grow. As we grow, we, we multiply to make more and more disciples. A couple of ways we're going to do that is we engage Bristol to make more disciples. Uh, one thing, we're going to have something this year called Hopeful Days. H-O-P-E and then F-U-L-L. These are days when our church will go into the community and do a project somewhere. We'll have this scheduled in advance and let you know. And probably we'll work with some of the ministries we support in the area. Or we may do something, some need that comes up that we find out about in the community. But also, it's for each attender of CCC, each person that comes here to reach out in love and to make a disciple. We want everybody to start to pray about who can I reach that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't have a church home. And we want you to start to pray so that over the next three years that every one of us in this room, we bring somebody to Christ. We bring somebody into the church. And we're going to help you with some teaching and training how to do that. So I want you to think about who's your one. Who's your one person that you can find? And it may be more than one. Once you get that one, then you pick another one. Some of you might even pick two. But if we really love our neighbor, if we really love Jesus, wouldn't we desire that more people come to be disciples in his kingdom? On Friday, I had to do a funeral and a lovely... Hope Gallier passed away and, and uh, was there with Bill. and You know, she was a lovely lady, and it was my honor and privilege to do that. But I had another funeral that I had to go to. I didn't have to do it, but it was in Knoxville. And uh, I really didn't want to go. My wife insisted. And so we packed up, and, and we went to Knoxville Friday afternoon. This funeral was for person that we didn't know real well but we knew him a little bit he was a friend of my son Robbie and most of you know that Robbie has had a rough life he had become a drug addict at one point and had done some prison time but part of the reason why Robbie turned his life around was because of this gentleman that died his name was George and George was a godly man he loved the Lord he did George, too, had been in prison 25 years. And while George was in prison those 25 years, he did not waste his time. He found the Lord there, but he even went beyond that. He did some correspondence courses and got a doctorate in theology 
from prison. George touched countless lives. I didn't realize how many until Friday night at the funeral. It actually wasn't a funeral. It was more of what I call a wake. The preacher at George's church had everybody come into this room where he had tables set up with chairs and he had coffee and cookies and everybody sat around and he encouraged us to fellowship and talk about George for a while. And then after that, he said, I want to call everybody here together and I want you to tell how you knew George and the impact that he had on your life. And one after one, people began to speak. One lady, I worked with George. He worked at a place that takes in prisoners that come out of jail, a halfway house. And George would just come over and love on them and, and give them rides if they needed a ride somewhere. He would take them to the grocery store. He'd take them to get their, their ID so they could get a job. And George just loved on people. Another guy, he'd been in prison with George, and he said, George impacted my life and helped me find Jesus Christ. And George knew the Bible, and he taught me the Bible. And another young man, uh, of course, Robbie gave his testimony about the impact George had had on his life. And Robbie and George were so close. The last two weeks of his life, either Robbie or his wife, Casey, spent time with George because George didn't have any family and so when George was on hospice care somebody had to be there and either Robbie or Casey were there with him uh, the whole time Robbie was holding George's hand on Sunday at 4 o'clock when George passed away one young man in the crowd stood up and, and he said I want to tell you George did a lot for me he never gave up on me. This young man had been a drug addict, had done jail time, but now he has his own business and he's thriving again. After the service was over, Robbie said, that young man that stood up and talked, he stayed with George one night and actually stole George's truck. And George later forgave him and had a relationship with him still. This George... You know what? George had a spiritual joy about him because you could tell he had been with Jesus. And he was willing to sacrifice for others. And if anybody could call Jesus friend, George could call Jesus friend and you would believe it. You see, he knew the love of God in his life. Our connection is this. Jesus commands that we engage to love. I had to think about that as I read this passage. Why does he command us to love? It's four times there in that passage. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 14, you are my friend if you do what I command. Verse 17, this is my command. Love each other. Four times Jesus commands that his followers love him and love other people. Why does he do that? I tell you what I finally settled on. 
You know when we're at our best? When we love God and when we love other people. That's when we're at our best. And Jesus wants the best for us. So he commands that we love each other. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to be those kind of believers, those kind of Christians, those that love, that love the Lord, that love other people, that want to reach out and see more people come to be part of your kingdom. So I pray that in our engage plan, you will help us to engage people with the love of Christ that we will engage for the purpose of loving people. As we go about our business, our daily lives, we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.